Welcome to the podcast version of 32 Bar Cut, the show. A series for performers, about performers, made by performers. Every week, we give audition advice, share personal experiences, and sit down with fellow colleagues in the performing arts to chat about their life in the industry. If you are hearing this message, you are not currently a subscriber and will only be hearing the first half of the podcast. If you would like to hear the full interview, including the Curtain Call series, you'll want to head over to 32barcup.com, where you can find a link to our Patreon page. There you will have exclusive access to the entire video and private RSS podcast feed, as well as other subscriber-only content. Thanks for listening. Without further ado, on to the show. Welcome to 32 Bar Cut, the show. A show where we talk with our friends about what it's like to be a performer. Today on 32 Bar Cut, the show, we are talking with Lion King's dance captain, Bravita Threet. Welcome to the show, Bravita Threet. Thank you, Adrian. This is such a pleasure. Thank you so much. We are so excited to have you on 32 Bar Cut, the show. We know that you have a dancer background. You've been a dance captain at the Lion King for several years or or Mm -hmm. co-dance captain with Kellen Stancil. And you just have so much to offer to the theater world. And I can't wait to dive in because I know you as a friend, but I don't know that much about your career post, I mean, pre-meeting you in 2016. So I'm looking forward to hearing about those details and what your journey was like in this life we called theater and dance and all all of the above. But before we get into that, I just want to ask, how are you doing and what has the past year been like for you? You know, I'm so good. I'm so good and blessed. And this year, um, everybody's had a difficult year. But the thing about this year that I really appreciate and I'm really thankful to have you in my life is that we took this year and we made it work for us. You know, thank goodness it happened. 32 Bar Cut was born. Thank goodness it happened. Studio Bravo became a virtual dance studio. Thank goodness it happened. I'm like the future Mrs. Brown. Come on. (laughs) Congratulations. (laughs) For those who don't know, Vervita recently uh, got engaged to her boyfriend, Brandon Brown. And so they are planning their nuptials for next year, which is very exciting. So exciting. Uh, Speaking to that, I know that you are just starting a new dance studio called Studio Bravo, which you just mentioned. And I want to dive into that later in the interview. So keep that keep that in the forefront because I definitely want to talk about it. Um, And it's like what you said, it's we've been presented with this year full of difficulties and not exactly what we were expecting at all. But Mm -hmm. in spite of that, you've been able to launch into the new phase that you were hoping to do, opening a dance studio. Right, right. You have been in school again, learning and growing, and you 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 make it work. Like yes. Bonita said a few episodes before, you pivot. You learn how to pivot right. and you take that pivot and you make it work for you. So let's roll back a bit and talk a little bit about your Lion King audition. I know this story, but I really want the world to hear this story because I think people have this concept, um, this idea that when you book something that you did everything right, or when you book something that you were just the right person at the right time and everything just aligned. And that's not necessarily the case. So please tell us your Lion King audition story. Yes. So 
I used to be in Dallas Black Dance Theater um, in Dallas, Texas, of course. And I was a principal dancer at the time. And it was great. You know, I I, I was soloist, duet. I, I did it. I, I had a great time there. But I learned that when people become complacent or unhappy, it is time to move on. So I started to just feel like, what am I doing here? You know? So I, I felt that it's time for me to go. If your spirit isn't happy, it's time for you to move on. So I began auditioning. And of course, I let Miss Williams know, Ann Williams, who's the founder and director of Dallas Black Dance Theater, I let her know that I was auditioning. And Zach Ingram, which you know, of course. Yeah, from the I love King, Zach. Mm-hmm. He was uh, dancing in the company with me at the time. He had just left Alvin Ailey and then he came to the company and um, he used to always be like, ho, you could date. And I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. You know? And so he was like, so why are you still here? You should go to this audition. And I was like, okay, I, don't, I really don't have any money to go. And he was like, mm. find a way to go. So I bought a ticket to go audition for the first time in Los Angeles. And, you know, I just had tuna and crackers for like a month until I like had money to like eat again. But, you know, you have to do little sacrifices like that. So I auditioned in L.A. and I sang, oh, my God, the first time I auditioned in L.A., this is the story. Is this the one? Audition twice. Mm -hmm. So the first time, I don't remember if it was the first or the second time. It was the first time. Yes, it was. So the first time I auditioned, I was cute. I had on a bicatard unitard. What is um, that? What is a bicatard? Is that with the shorts? It's the short unitard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was real short. It had a lace back. It was from class and I had made it myself. So, you know, I'm a Zeta. So it was like blue with pink <laughs> lace in the back. <laughs> That is full out. <laughs> oh, I wasn't. I wasn't going to play at all. <laughs> Do you hear me? I was not playing any games with those combinations. So uh, the first cut, of course, I made it through. The second cut, I made it through. The third cut, I made it through. And um, then they had it down to me and like an Asian girl that was like a little taller than me. And um, oh no, no, before that cut. We, it was several of us, and they had us come in the room. And uh, Mark Brandon, the casting director, was like, "Okay, everybody, I'm gonna I'm gonna say your name, and I want you to tell me how tall you are." Mind you, he had like the resumes in his hand, so all the girls, Susie, Susie, how tall are you? Um, five six, very good. Brenda, how tall are you? Five three, very good. Br- uh, Sarah, how tall are you? I'm five five, very good. Bravita, how tall are you? Five five. She said, Your resume says you five three. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I was like, well, uh, uh, I am. I just really want a job, right? And mm-hmm. then Celise, who is like over, it's she's an uh what is Celise? She is she is like the a dance director for several companies, like hiring, like dance hiring director. I don't know. I don't she's know. Like, I'm correct. She's like she's like a creative because there's two teams of creators now. Sure, sure. So yeah, we'll say that. Sorry, Celise. She's amazing. That's why I really don't know her title. Um, she was like, "Oh, she lied. Oh, you lie. You're five three, and here's five five. So you know, <laughs> I'm like Shane. Then he goes he goes down the goes down the row. 
mind you, the girl who was next to me was 5'5", five, five, right? And I'm 5'3", talking about something. I'm 5'5". Five, five. Anyway. <laughs> In the so, moment, it felt like it was going to work. But then later, you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> I, I, like, didn't think about it because it was on my, like, it was a lie on my resume yeah. that I was 5'5". Five, five. And that's what I used to tell everybody. I'm 5'5". Five, five. I never thought about it because I project tall and I think that I'm tall. Mm-hmm. So they ended up keeping me. And then me and another girl, she was Asian, you know, are jumping across the floor. And then they asked us two to come and sing. So I went in the room first to sing. Now it's just more than Mark Brandon and Celise. It's like the music director, somebody else, <laughs> a cast, uh, the casting director again, and Celise. So I come in the room ready to sing. And uh, Celise was like, oh, this is the girl that lied. Oh, yeah, she lied. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Then on top of that, they were like, so what are you going to sing for us today? I was like, well, I grew up in the church, so I'm going to sing Amazing Grace. And then uh, Celise was like, and she don't have no sheet music. The next time you come in here, you need to have some sheet music. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, I sing Amazing Grace, and it was fine. It was great. Like, they work with you. And then the second time I came back, she still remembered. Oh, no. Came in the room. No sheet music. Oh, you still don't have no sheet music? So you lied and you came back without sheet music? So when was the callback? When when did you come back? So the second time wasn't a callback. It was just the second audition. Oh, okay. Was Was it later that day? Was it... Oh, no, no, no. One was in... May of the of that year, and then I went to a following audition January the the like previous year. Oh, okay, so it was months later. Yeah, it was months later. So you know, I went to that audition in May, and of course, I didn't get a call. It was just that there was no openings, like mm-hmm. nobody was leaving or coming. It was just like a matter of time. Mm-hmm. And then I went to that next audition the next year, and again at that time, nobody had left. Nobody, you know, my my track in the show, what we call a track you know, where um, somebody who's your height, who's your tight, can fit the costumes and do the role, had not left. Mm-hmm. And actually in The Lion King, um, it's better for you to be, if you're a dancer, singer, it's better for you to be short because you want to be taller than young Nala, but shorter than Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> than Nala. Adult Nala. Whoever's Nala, yeah. And we also wear like the headpieces on top. So- mm-hmm. Mark, when I had, you know, had that little hiccup, Mark Brandon was saying, um, it's better that you are short. So don't lie on your resume. Mm. And now looking back at that, it's when you audition, people want you, not what you think they want. Absolutely. You're not a casting director. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't cast yourself. You, I mean, all you can do is present it yourself in an honest way. And yeah. I've, I've had my moments too. Like uh, when my first Broadway audition was for Beautiful and uh, Stephen Copel had traveled to Chicago uh-huh. and was holding Beautiful auditions at the Equity Office in Chicago. So I was like, ooh, we're going. So all of us, we were in rent at the time. All the Black folks went, right? We were like, let's, let's get in there, you know? And so we're at this... Uh, beautiful audition and he called us all back for the next day made accommodations for us because he knew we had to go to uh oh a that's awesome. yes yes and so i'm in there at that dance call trying to do the locomotion girl can't get it 
down. And yeah. to this moment, to this day, I'm like, why couldn't I? I just, I wasn't feeling it. I didn't have it in my body. So, um, Stephen Copel actually gave my agent feedback. And you know how rare that is. You don't. Yeah, you like never you get feedback. You never get feedback. So he was like, you know, look, Dawn, we loved Adrian, but she really needs to work on her dancing. <laughs> and so my agent was like, Adrian, like, we're kind of sick of getting this note about mm-hmm. you. So can you please just, she didn't say that. She didn't say that, but that's, this is. But that's what is, she, that's how you took it. Yeah, that's how I took it. So she was like, look, I go to Lou Conti every Saturday. They have beginner classes. They have musical theater classes. Get down to the loop and go to Lou Conti and start taking classes. So I did, but dancing for me doesn't come naturally or easy, easily. And so I didn't stick with it. And so I completely commiserate with you when you're like five months later, you still hadn't done some of the things they asked you to do because it doesn't come natural to you. And you were like, well, maybe my talent will be enough, you know? Well, sure enough, Stephen Copel called me back. A few months later, they needed an emergency replacement. This was actually legit, like my first Broadway audition. I borrowed money from my parents, flew to New York, stayed with friends, it came down to me and one other girl and I did not move forward because I could not do the locomotion. <laughs> like I'm surprised that you didn't go home and practice it, but you probably thought, Oh, it's over. You know what I mean? Not only did I think it's over, I don't have that dancer brain of, Oh, here's the choreo. Let me do it again. If you let me sit down with some choreo and there's no one there to watch over me, I'm going <laughs> to learn it wrong. And then it's going to be stuck that way. You know what I mean? Like, I need supervision. I know. I That reminds me of the time that we rehearsed for Tina in the stairwell. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. So me and Bravita both went in for Tina the Musical auditions. And sure for different did. tracks. But Bravita was trying to help me with this dance call. I sure was. I was like, I got it. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Let me teach it to you real quick. I was like, this ain't about to be a real quick. <laughs> this is not going to be a real quick, but okay, let's let's learn it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, that um, brings me to the point of like, yes, we're talking about musical theater, but it's something about uh, the people. There are not many people that are great friends, but when you find good people in the industry, like you're kind of with them for the whole journey, like for your whole life. Like, mm-hmm. yes, we met in Lion King, but like you're a lifer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's rare. I'm a hangers on. You got me now. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> that's rare because I have in this industry, it can be cutthroat. It could be a lot of jealousy. But the thing is that we always have to remember is what's for you is for you. Mm-hmm. So work on yourself and share with others. And when you find people like that, hold on to them. Yeah, you have to because it is, it can be rare. And you find, I mean, people say you're tribe, but that, I mean, I, I understand that too, is that you find people that you flow with naturally. It's not forced. It's not a forced relationship. You just vibe. You want to be around them. You want to support them. Mm-hmm. And you have like-minded goals and like-minded interests. You can grow together. You can go up that trajectory together. Yeah. You know, uh, there's going to be pe- people in your life that don't have the same like-mindedness and they drag you down. I know right. you felt it. I have felt it where I I leave an experience with someone. I'm like, oh, I do not feel replenished. I feel depleted. I feel sad mm-hmm. or negative. Bravita and I don't have that. 
Mm-hmm. When I'm around Bravita, she lifts me up. I hope I do the same for you. But I feel like we vibe and we grow and we get better together. Right. And in an industry that is so subjective and full of rejection and just mm-hmm. can be a bit difficult to traverse sometimes, you need people in your corner, like you said, that are going to build you up and replenish you and yes. not deplete you because this business can deplete you on its own. Yes. Now, but in, in, one thing, though, those people <laughs> also have to tell you the truth. And you tell me the truth. You tell me the truth, too. <laughs> I sure do, but it's all it is out of love. But you know, you gotta take that and and that's how you grow, you yeah. know. And if you if you don't if you don't tell me the truth, then really what are you telling me? That's true. That's true. Um I think we've all seen it where people get to a point in their career where you can just tell they're around yes people mm-hmm. and nobody's saying, No, nah, I don't do that. No, nah, that doesn't work. No, this doesn't look good. You right, know, right, right. And I'm not talking about negativity or naysayers that just keep you from growing and thriving creatively, but you do need checks and balances and you need people in your life to be like, nah, that's not for you. Or no, right. actually do it again. You need to practice more. Why aren't you pushing yourself? Like you need those people too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that's what you are for me with, with, with voice lessons and singing. And that's what I am to you for movement. Movement. Can we talk about it though? How? <laughs> okay. So y'all, so when I joined the Lion King, uh, I got my offer in February. I think I got it in February. I don't have the best memory, but I think I got my offer in February of 2016. And my contract was supposed to start in June of 2016. And I was told by my agent that I needed to take Pilates ballet and yoga. And so I was on tour at Dirty Dancing and I did what I could. But here's another example of me getting direction and not putting it into action fully so that I could better myself and be ready. You know, even for something so high stakes as The Lion King, I feel like I should have done more, but I was trying to juggle with being on tour and everything. And I just- That's hard. It was hard. And so I did take a few private ballet classes. I got into some yoga classes uh, in the cities we were in. I did not find too much Pilates, but I did try. (laughs) And I showed up to my first week of rehearsals and everything was chill. You know, we were learning Javanese and Balinese movement. And I was learning the blocking and singing a little bit and acting a little bit. And I was like, okay, okay. And then I walked in on a Wednesday. I remember this. I walked in on a Wednesday and all the schedule said was Nala movement with Bravita Threat. And I thought, oh, okay, Nala movement. You know, and I had seen the show, but the movement I saw, I thought, oh, I can handle this. And that fight, that Nala Simba fight went by so fast. I didn't know what happened. That fast. I was like, I don't know what just happened. I, I'll learn it, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so on this day, I had also just taken my first training session at New York City's New York Sports Club. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah New, York New York Sports Club. Club. Mm-hmm. So I had taken the training session at New York Sports Club because I realized I needed to be stronger. And now that it had some roots, I was like, let me get into the gym. So I was a little sore. So I walk into Nala Movement thinking, mm, I'm warmed up. Here we go. Let's go. Let's go. Well, one little word needed to be changed on that schedule for me to understand what I was about to be doing. Because <laughs> it was wasn't that? Nala Movement. It was Nala Conditioning. <laughs> yes, it was. 
It was I Nala was- conditioning, okay? Because Bravita had me Ooh. just working. How long did we do that? Was it two hours? Is it one? It was, was it one hour? I feel like it was like an hour and a half, and then you went into music for an hour and a half. I don't even remember the music. <laughs> I don't even remember the music. I just remember that you had me doing exercises I had never done, that I didn't think I could do, that I really couldn't do that day. I was sweating. I was like, I need a towel. It was... Yes. We had, had a great me. time. It was a great time. <laughs> it was a great, great time. If you say so. You came in and you were like, well, I just worked out. And what did I say? We're going to do it again. Yeah. You said, okay, we're going to do it again. With a smile. And then you put on your music. You said, okay. I think Tom Reynolds was the stage manager that day. Oh, yeah. My boyfriend, of course. Yes. I'm sure. I'm sure. So on top of that, like, everybody kept telling us how much we looked alike. Remember, I met you, like, I met you in the house. Like, our stage manager brought me to you because we look alike. He was like, see, see, don't don't you look. And we're looking at each other like. Nah. We're like, nice to meet you. I'm yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And you're watching the show like... Uh. It's like intermission. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sorry. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that was actually... That's exactly what it was. It was Nala conditioning. Yeah. We had meetings about this before you even came. Wow. Like we had, I had to write out what I was going to work on with you. Wow. And then, you know, present it to Ruth Lynn, get her opinion, what it needs to be changed, redo it. And it was like a proposal. This is what I want, want to do with the new Nala. Yeah. And no. so is this your first time working one-on-one with a new Nala? It was my first time working with a new Nala. So did you feel like... Uh, did you did you feel any pressure or did you feel just excitement about it? Like, what were your feelings about taking this I on? I wanted you to be the best Nala <laughs> ever. <laughs> My first Nala is going to be amazing. <laughs> and then I ended up breaking her. So I was when she says breaking me, um, I am... Uh, kind of clumsy but anyway still I'm I I think when I first got to the Lion King I was still learning how to move my body and be aware of my body which is something that is innately uh I, I guess just lives with dancers that doesn't quite live with me naturally Jelani called it uh kinetic intelligence which I was like "Ooh, that's good that's good so I was jumping on a miniature trampoline and I rolled my ankle on the trampoline. So that's what Bravita's referring to as breaking me. But you didn't really break me. I just had a small little, it wasn't even a sprain. Like, like you know, and I was so, able to get back into it after that. Yeah, you were. They were just like, Bravita no longer works with Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> that conditioning was no joke. It was, I mean, but I needed it. And now, and it, what's great is what you showed me in that conditioning I mm-hmm. used it in my workouts at home. Beautiful. And then I just got stronger and stronger because I could see the growth. I could see yeah. that when I first started out with you, the exercises I couldn't do. And then like two months later, I'm doing them. I'm like, oh, okay, this is, I'm moving through this, you know? I'm sure. I'm sure because I've seen the growth from when you started to 
where we left off in 2020. Yeah, let's let's talk about where we left off in 2020. Not so much today, <laughs> <laughs> but a that's year how, ago. Yeah, <laughs> that's how we all feel because like maneuvering 2020 and trying to stay fit and trying to stay healthy and happy yeah. has been a journey in itself. Trying to even find a um, routine because mm-hmm. we're so used to you know, our daily routine, we know what time we're going to get up, what time we're going to eat, what time we're going to be at the theater. You know, our, our intermission is some people's meal. And it's like, everything is set for us on Mm -hmm. how we move. We even know what time the train is going to come. Yeah. You know, so all of that. How are you balancing that? How are you, how are you, I know, but tell the people, how are you staying fit and true to what your body needs during this time without the routine? Yes. So um, as a mature dancer, I already had a a stationary bike at my home. And um, I went to a personal training session about once a week, but I also worked out on my own in the gym and Bikram yoga was my thing. So now that this stuff has like happened, I don't go to the gym anymore. So I, of course, still have my bike. I ride my bike every day. And it also lubricates my joints because I tore my ACL um, at the age of 14 and now get injections to like give me comfort and cushion in between my joints. So I ride the bike. um, Now I'm working on 15 miles a day. So I just sit there and ride, get that good sweat. And then of course I stretch after that. And, um, I bought my own weights. So I like have a gym at home. I squat at home. I curl at home. So some days I'll lift weights and then some days I'll do yoga and then some days I'll do Pilates. So that's how I've like learned to kind of keep it together. I've also had to adjust my eating because in New York, we were like always moving. We were like, eat something here, walk to the subway, walk to the next place, walk here, do that, eat something here. Like it was like, I always had snacks, but I don't even, we just ate and like would be doing so much. Now I'm on the computer, you know, working on Studio Bravo or grad school. And then maybe I'll come downstairs and teach a class in my living room, which is different from a stage that has a number line from zero to 30, which is big difference. Um, So now I'm kind of learning how to adjust my eating habits as well. And at one time, I just wasn't eating much because I wasn't hungry. Mm-hmm. And for me, my, metab- my metabolism says, you need to eat more so I can continue to work. Yeah, I can identify with that too. I was just telling Austin earlier this week, I was like, I've got to start back working out more because I'm not eating. And my metabolism right. is suffering from that, the lack right. of activity. And it's like eating less doesn't always mean that you're going to lose weight. Yeah. It can really mean the opposite, that your body just slows down and starts storing everything up. Yes. So, yes. And listen, this water consumption, I've always stayed on it, but I like to share with everybody else. Drink it, drink it, drink it, drink it. Mm-hmm. I know you like that alkaline water. That's what I'm drinking right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something about it that's so fresh and crisp and clean, right? Yeah, it's so refreshing. Show so refreshing. you were just talking about Studio Bravo, and I really want to get into that a little bit because you've made your pivot, your grand pivot, really, um, mm-hmm. into entrepreneurship. And you made the decision to start Studio Bravo 
and and open it up in Virginia. So can you talk a little bit about that, too? I'd love to. Um, So at first I was going to open a physical studio here in Virginia and then the pandemic hit. And I just I really wanted to, but it was not a great choice. So I decided to create a virtual studio and I, I have a great platform like all my friends are professional dancers that would love to help me out. So I just was like, we'll start a virtual studio. You teach at home and everybody will take class from their homes. That's the safest for everyone. And everyone is learning. You know, we're learning how to use technology. We're learning how to dance. We're learning how to deal with our new normal. And so that's what we're kind of at right now. I also created a, uh, a gallery called the Broadway Gallery. And what that is, is virtual classes from Broadway professionals. And also you're in Adrian's in the gallery as well, um, giving audition tips. So it's every avenue of a uh, performing artist. Mm-hmm. You have your tap, your ballet, your musical theater, your acting. And it's like really a great tool to have because you can take class whenever you want. Yeah. And, and so... Because everyone's really doing that virtual experience now with um, it runs the gamut, whether you're learning a new skill uh, in technology or you're learning how to be a writer. I've taken uh, classes for TV and film auditioning virtually, you know, Mm -hmm. which is an interesting medium to do. But it, it works because a lot of these callbacks for TV and film have been through Zoom auditions recently, you know? So it's good to have that practice. And I think we will be learning for a while virtually. And I think what's great, even though you were planning on opening a physical studio, is that you would have only had that Virginia market. And now Mm -hmm. your market is opened up to wherever you want it to go, to the whole world, which is huge. So where can we find you? Where can we find Studio Bravo? Actually, I have to let you know that I have to let you know one thing. So I'm super, super excited that I'm able to open up because I have students from Philadelphia and from Florida and from Maryland. Like I would not be able to meet these people and work with these people if it was just in Virginia. Mm -hmm. But you can absolutely find Studio Bravo at thestudiobravo.com. Thestudiobravo.com. Okay. Yep. And also on Instagram at thestudiobravo. And we also have a YouTube page at The Studio Bravo. Very easy, The Studio Bravo. (laughs) Very consistent. So it won't be hard to find. And we're going to drop that in so that everyone can see that too. At The Studio Bravo. I love it. And Mm -hmm. how did you come up with the name for Studio Bravo? My ballet teacher in college used to call me Bravo. Really? So he used to call me Bravo. Mr. Mater, he wore white jazz shoes. He rode his bike to the to the theater, to the studio. And he taught at the Richmond Ballet. And when I would come in class, he'd be like, bravo, come (laughs) to the bar, darling, bravo. (laughs) I'm doing something in class. He's like, bravo, bravo. That's awesome. So it's like, it's a, it's a, an extension of you, but also maybe honoring him in some way and homage to him. That's awesome. Yes. And yeah, I just always remembered that because, um, during that time, I learned that like 
the reason why people wear pink tights. So in college, you know, college, you're like learning and, and you, you try and be difficult. It's not really being difficult, but you know, you're just figuring things out. So you want to do this because you don't want to do that. And you don't want to do what they ask you to do type thing. So I was like kind of rebellious when I learned that pink tights were, were worn because back in the day, like only, you know, people with the pink skin tone did ballet. Mm. And that never changed. So then I started, it wasn't even rebelling. What it was, was once I learned that that's why we wear pink tights, I started wearing tights that match my skin tone. And the uniform for ballet was, of course, black leotard, pink tights. Mm -hmm. And even though that was the uniform, I was like, no, this is my uniform. Mm -hmm. I'm wearing brown tights. And Mr. Mater loved it. Like, he just loved me, you know? (laughs) He loved me and I love that I could dance and I loved his class, you know. I um I'm really glad that you brought that up because in our curtain call, are you staying around for the curtain call? Absolutely. Okay, great. Because in our curtain call, I really want to talk about diversity and inclusion and what that journey has been like for you as a dancer, as a dancer on Broadway and how it can change. So keep that Keep that in your pocket because I really want to talk about that when we come back. So now we're going to get into the stage door round. I'm going to ask you a few questions. You give me whatever comes to mind and then we're going to finish out and move on to the curtain call. Okay. Okay. Awesome. All right. If you could change one thing about our industry to make it better, what would that be? Oh, wow. And it's supposed to be fast. Let me think fast. Fast on my feet. <laughs> I could change one thing about this industry. Oh. the su- How superficial our industry is. Ooh. I would change that. Mm. Do you want to speak more on that or you want to leave it there? I'm going to leave it there. You're going to leave it there. That's that's deep. Like, yeah. It's very deep. But that's us as a people, as a society, we're very superficial. Mm-hmm. And the, the industry is worse. Do you think it's an American societal <clears throat> thing? Or do you you think it's something? Yeah. Uh, that's what I, I do think it's an American thing. Yeah. 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 I see that in a, in, um, in a lot of things. You know, Austin and I watch a lot of foreign films. And just the casting is so different from American film that it makes me feel like we've got a long way to go when it comes to being superficial and why folks get hired and why folks don't get hired and um, how much value we put on our standard of beauty. Yes. What matters. It's so, I mean, it, it, wouldn't it be incredible if we were, if our spirits and our souls and, and, and what we were on the inside was a reflection of how people see us. But it's it's shrouded in in all of the you know cultural mm-hmm. issues and everything else that we don't always see people for who they are, for yes. how ugly they are and how beautiful they are. We just right. we don't always get a chance to see really full re- fully realized people sometimes. Yes, yeah, and that also brings me to another thing about um, it's a it's about make like a thing about makeup. Like I love a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I love it. And I also love a beautiful woman that is okay with that. Adrian and I hope that you have enjoyed listening to the show thus far. If you'd like to hear the full interview and get access to the curtain call, head on over to 32barcut.com where you can find a link to our Patreon page. 
There you will have exclusive access to the entire video collection and private RSS podcast feed, as well as other subscriber-only content. All right, that's all I got. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.